Thank you, Lillian. We're in this series on the study of Joshua and his faith. And I asked Lillian, I said, each week I'm going to talk about two chapters in the book of Joshua, which is a lot like just kind of tossing a cup of water into a forest fire. There's a lot going on in two chapters. And so I said, hey, can you give me some summaries each week to kind of challenge folks in what they're going to read and what we're going to hear? So thank you. That was very well done. Uh, I want to kick this off in this manner. Uh, if you, has anyone raised kids? If you raised kids, just raise your hand real quick. Okay, so you've raised kids. All right, now we're going to narrow it down a little bit. Has anyone ever raised twins? Twins? Yeah, Diana has. I know the Chapmans have twins, and they're, they're watching right now. But hey, when you have a three- or four-year-old boy, and he comes into the room, many times someone will say, oh, watch out, here comes trouble. Uh, and again, just talking about how much mischief they can get into. But when you take two twin four-year-olds, yeah, Diana just said amen. <laughs> you have double trouble. And, uh, it, that kind of trouble is cute. It's funny. Boys, boys and kids are going to do silly things. And it's, and it's especially funny um, from outsiders <laughs> that, that are watching that double trouble, if you will, even though it might wear mom out just a little bit. But today we're going to look at a man, Aiken, and, and he caused double trouble. You might even say he brought on some triple trouble into the, the nation of Israel. And we're going to start out in chapter 7 in the book of Joshua. And we're just going to take a glancing blow at some things that happened in chapter 7 and chapter 8. So I do encourage you this week to, to read up on that. Uh, Joshua chapter 7, uh, I want to do a little bit of backstory. Uh, and some important lessons in this chapter. But chapter 6 ends with this great victory over the city of Jericho. It's a well-fortified city. Peyton did a great job last week talking about the battle and, and, and having the faith to wait on God to go before them. And the people are excited. They, they conquered this city, and the Israelites are excited. The soldiers are, are probably feeling a bit invincible, even though they didn't do anything but march around and blow horns and holler. Uh, but the next battle is going to be at Ai. And Joshua sends out spies, and they come back. And again, this is my paraphrase. They come back and say, hey, Joshua, don't worry about these guys. They're nothing compared to Jericho, especially. Hey, this battle, it's in the bag. Piece of cake. No need to send the whole army. As a matter of fact, Eh, 3,000 of us will probably do just fine. And that's why I insert that dramatic music you hear in the movies. Dun, dun, dun. Big mistake. Hey, what comes before fall? Pride, arrogance, self-confidence, trusting in your own strength. You see, they only had victory at Jericho because God went before them. He was leading them. He was fighting for them. And on this day... As you read through Joshua chapter 7, what you don't see, you don't see the spies, the soldiers, or Joshua consulting God about I. So what we do see then is a little bit of pride, a little bit of arrogance, maybe a little bit of self-confidence, which as I said, always comes before the fall and inevitably leads to a defeat somewhere along the line. Uh, my father-in-law, Mike Grant, says, Church, what we need is God-fidence, God not self-confidence. We need God-fidence. We need to know we can go somewhere because he goes before us. Every Christian, but especially church leaders, you need to be praying and consulting God before each new challenge. There are a lot of challenges in this world. Uh, there's something else here, too. Uh, our lives are full of mountains and valleys, victories and defeats. Victories excite us. They build us up. Defeats and failures bring heartache and discouragement. One minute we're praising God, the next we're questioning God and asking, why me? I think we've all been there at some point. We go from the mountaintop 
to the valley in a flash. Joshua is a great man of God, no question about it. He's a great man of faith, and at times his faith seems invincible. But then after this defeat in Ai, in Joshua chapter 7, verses 6 through 9, look at what Joshua and the leaders say and do. Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the leaders, the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Would that we have been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? We're from the mountaintop of this great victory to the valley of defeat from A, uh, from I in, a, in a, just a heartbeat. From faith to doubt in a second. It's funny how that happens in our lives and it usually happens when sin and faith collide. You see, Satan knows when and exactly how to attack us. So we need to always beware. Sin always brings trouble with it. Uh, sometimes double trouble, sometimes even more than double. Uh, the main focus of chapter 7, as I said, is a man named Achan, whose very name means trouble. Achan not only brought trouble on himself, but on his family, on his servants, on his livestock, and on the whole nation of Israel. Now, listen to me today. I know that for the most part, you guys are all good, solid people. You're not out running amok, partying, drinking, stealing, robbing, doing whatever it is you want to do, but we still sin. And we need to be aware, and not only do we need to be aware, but we also need to warn our children and our grandchildren about the dangers of sin and the trouble that it causes and what it can bring into our lives. See if any of these statements sound familiar. I, I would venture to say that at some point, most of us, maybe every one of us, have said something like this at least once, or maybe at least thought them. It's my body, I can do what I want. That's usually thought or said around Thanksgiving time, when we're about to have that second slice of pie, and your husband or your wife says, watch that waistline. Hey, I can have another piece of pie. It's my body, I can do what I want. Why do you care what I do? It only affects me. What business is this of yours if I choose to do this? I'm not hurting anyone else. Hey, famous last words right there, huh? Newsflash. Hey, Aiken, our sins hurt. Our sins hurt God. Our sins hurt ourselves. Our sins hurt our family. Our sins hurt our church family. Our sins hurt the nation. Don't believe me? Watch the news. Let's try to learn from Aiken and not make the same mistakes. Chapter 7 begins with 3,000 soldiers going up to fight against AI. And not only do they suffer a humiliating defeat, which causes low morale, something worse happens. Joshua chapter 7 verses 4 and 5 says this, so about 3,000 men went up there from the people and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Did you see that? Now, up to this point, Joshua doesn't really know why this is happening. 
The Israelites don't know why this is happening. They just thwarted Jericho by blowing horns and shouting, and the walls fell down, and they went up to this much smaller community and couldn't conquer it. They got thwarted by these guys. 36 men die because of Achan's choice. Families are heartbroken. Wives left without a husband. Children now left without a father. The provider of a family killed. A son, a brother, a friend gone. Why? All because of one man's sin. What did Achan do that was so bad? Well, here it is. Joshua chapter 17, verses 19 through 21 brings it all in. And, and just to catch you up, at this point, God told Joshua to have the, the nation of Israel come tribe by tribe, family by family, and, and that God would show him who had sinned against him. And so we're, we're in this process, and Joshua, Achan comes before Joshua. He says, Joshua says to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Achan stole. He broke a commandment. But even worse, he stole from God. That wasn't something he stole from an enemy of God. He stole that from God. And these items from Jericho belonged to God. He had declared them his. It was the first city. This would be the first fruits of the tithe that belonged to him. And he specifically told the people this in Joshua chapter 6, verses 18 through 19. He said, But you keep, from yourself, you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them to take, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Achan's first sin was disobedience. Have we been there? He directly disobeyed God's command. The command was simple. It was a simple command. The command was understandable. Everyone understood the command. And the command was heard and known by everyone that day. Achan knew God's law, and he chose to break it. Does that sound familiar? Because we know, we know what God desires for us, but oftentimes we do the opposite. We miss the mark. We sin. Even as Christians, we are still capable of sin. John, uh, 1 John 3, 4 tells us, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. We've all been there. God draws the line in the sand. And much like those four-year-old boys I was talking about earlier, we jump right over the line. Or, or maybe sometimes we just get right as close to the edge we fall on over. Other times we fall into it. Sometimes it's sin's not always premeditated, but sometimes it just, we find ourselves in it. Church, there's a big difference between falling into sin and jumping into sin with both feet. One is accidental, the other is intentional. Achan's sin of, of covetous, covetousness was intentional. He saw the robe, he saw the silver, he saw the gold, and he said, man, I... I want that. He coveted it. He, he lusted over it. He, he imagined what he could do with that. There's, there's a whole city full of stuff here. 
just a little bit. And he took it. James 1, 13 through 15 says this, Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Coveting, lusting, sin, always lead down a dead-end street. Achan's sin, his coveting, his desire, killed 36 innocent men. His coveting, his sin, his desire, killed himself, killed his family, killed his servants. Joshua 7, 24 through 26 says this. Then uh, it says, And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and daughters and his oxen and his donkeys and sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. Now, some of you in your minds right now, you're screaming, wait, time out, time out. That's not fair. Foul play. That's, why would God do that? Why would he punish, first off, those 36 men for Achan's sin? Why would he let other people die because of what Achan did? They didn't know he did it. Well, for one thing, God considered them one nation, one family. And there was sin. There was sin in the camp, and God can't tolerate sin. God is holy. He is just. He is righteous. And he cannot just wink at sin. He could not lead his people with sin in the camp. Why did God have Achan's wife and children and servants killed as well? Well, part of it goes with what we just said. But also, it was a different family life back then. His family members must have known it. They're in the middle of a desert area. Okay? Achan doesn't have another house. He doesn't have a storage shed. He doesn't have a man cave behind the house. He doesn't have a safety deposit somewhere, uh, a safety deposit box. He doesn't have an attic. He doesn't have a basement. He doesn't have another place to hide it. It was buried in their tent. Wives, if your husband came home from work one day and just started pulling up the floorboards in your house, hey, what are you doing? Nothing? <laughs> just found some stuff. I'm going to stick it here under the floor. They knew. They were accomplices with his sin, with his crime, if you will. They kept it secret also. In our culture today, that's called aiding and abetting. Now, if you turn through the Bible, there were certain periods in time, usually when God is initiating a new period, like, for example, entering into the promised land, or maybe where the church began, as we talk about Acts chapter, chapter 1 more tonight. There, there are these times... Where, where God is initiating a new period. And he acts in a dramatic way to make sure that every, everybody understands some things. And some things we need to understand about God is he is holy. And our holy God cannot ignore sin. When he gives a command, something else we need to know. When he gives a command, he must act or no one will take him at his word. No one will take his word 
seriously. God's commands should not be violated. And this was the very beginning of a new period. If God did not act, the people would have never conquered the promised land. Now, I am thankful uh, that God does not take out our families today because of our personal sin. But we need to realize he also does not just gloss over our sin. And we, we hurt others when we sin. We hurt ourselves when we sin. We hurt God when we sin. Now, I don't usually do this, and this is a dangerous thing. I don't usually ask you to do this, but today I want you to look back on your sins. Or maybe something that was done to you. Because I think we need to realize just how serious sin is and how others pay for our disobedience or maybe how we had to pay for someone else's disobedience. Here, here's some examples that you may be guilty of. Here's some examples that a friend, a family member may be guilty of. And I'm going to throw out a few words and just see if you don't see how others hurt or maybe because how you were hurt because of someone else's sin. I'm not judging, all right? I'm not, I'm not casting stones. This affects me just like it does you. Divorce. My parents divorced when I was eight years old. Actually, they separated when I was eight years old. They didn't want to get a divorce until I turned 18 because they didn't want to pay all the money you have to pay in Florida when you get divorced and your children are under the age of 18. So they waited. They just got legally divorced. They said, we're legally separated. I don't even know what that means. I think they just made it up. But the point is, their divorce had an effect on my sister and I. Adultery has an effect. Abortion has an effect. Alcoholism, drug addiction, prison time, loss of a job because of improper actions at your job. We see that kind of stuff in the news all the time. Your temper, stealing, lying, cheating. All of these things have a consequence. All of these things don't only hurt the person doing it, but ultimately they're going to hurt the people who are connected to that person. In every one of these examples, the person who sinned paid a price. In every one of these examples, the family members, the close friends, and in many cases, church family paid a price. Because sin in our lives equals sin in the camp. And our sins hurt. Our sins hurt God. Our sins hurt ourselves. Our sins hurt our family. Our sins hurt our church family. Our sins hurt our nation. Another thing that Achan did in his sin was tried to hide it. Achan was not born yesterday. It was not his first sin. He knew what happened to Adam and Eve. He knew that story. He should have known about Abraham's sin of lying and how it almost cost him his wife and his life. He had plenty of opportunity to come clean before they ever drew lots. God, God orchestrated that. He said, hey, bring them tribe by tribe. And when you have each tribe before you, bring them family by family. He had multiple times to come forward. And he waited until the very end. He had plenty of opportunity to come clean before they ever got to that point and it fell on him. But he stayed silent and so did his family. And we should know by now that sooner or later, our sins will come to light. Numbers 32, 23 says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Hebrews 4, 13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Hey, he already knows. He already knows, Achan. Where sin and faith collide is also where God's love conquers all. 
Uh, there's a song called Collide by a group called ICF, and the lyrics go like this. And, and no, I'm not going to sing them. I'll, I'll save you that. But the lyrics say this, love conquers all, so they say. But what kind of love would die in my place? The untainted one, grace divine, would lower himself to carry my blame. And we were on a collision course, my fate now sealed, I'm forever yours. You gave your life the perfect sacrifice. For in the moment you died, you let heaven and earth collide. Then we jump into Joshua chapter 8. In verse 1 and 2, God repeats his promise to Joshua. Now that they had gotten rid of the things that should not have been taken from Jericho in the raid, they've gotten rid of the guilty people. God tells Joshua, hey, just like I said before, if you honor me, you can go forward. He said, not only that, but you can keep all the spoils from defeating I. Listen, it's kind of like your, your parents. Maybe some of you remember this, Miss Lil, after your mom told you that a, a hard head brought a soft behind. Maybe after that punishment, you at least got a hug, some encouragement, maybe a little bit of ice cream as we move on and have conversation about what went down. Joshua and the people of Israel follow God's instructions to the letter of the law, and they defeated I and destroyed the town. All the people that God didn't want to interfere with or didn't, that he didn't want to influence his people were destroyed. Sometimes we feel as if everything is lost, as if life is a chore, as we'll never be happy. One of the things I see in this journey is that happiness is a journey. You see, we convince ourselves that life will be better after we get married. It's a struggle getting to that point, but life will be better when I get married. And once you're married, it, maybe things are hard and you think, you know what? When we have a baby, life's going to be easy then. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then maybe we'll have another baby. <laughs> yeah, life doesn't get easier. And then you're frustrated because the kids aren't old enough to, to do things. And well, we'll be more content when the kids are old enough to help out around the house. No. After that, then you're frustrated because you have teenagers to deal with. <laughs> It will certainly be happy when they're out of that teenager stage where they think they know everything. We tell ourselves that our life will be complete when our spouse gets their act together because it's never on us. <laughs> Maybe we'll be happy and complete when we get a nicer car, when we're able to go out on a nice vacation. I, you know what it is? We'll be happy and complete when we'll find happiness when we're able to retire. The truth is there's no better time to be happy than right now, folks. There's a great, a great quote from Alfred D. Souza. He said, for a long time, it seemed to me that life was about to begin, real life, but there was always some obstacle in the way, something to be gotten through first, some unfinished business, time to still be served or, or a debt to be paid. Then life would begin. And at last it dawned on me, he said, that these obstacles were my life. This perspective has helped me to see that there's no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. So treasure every moment that you have and treasure it more because you shared it with someone special enough to spend your time with. And remember that time waits for no one. How sad, speaking of time, after all the time, all the blessings that God had bestowed on Achan and his family, that he chose to directly disobey and sin against God. God delivered Achan's family from slavery, from brutal hardships, provided for them. All this stuff that God did, 
and he disobeyed and he sinned against God. How sad that so many others paid a price for his sin. How sad that if Achan would have waited a few more days, he and his family would have been able to enjoy countless riches from the battle at Ai and from future battles. At this one battle from Jericho, he stole a garment. He stole some silver. He, he took some gold. He would have had far more from these other cities had he just waited. But sin is like that. It is selfish and greedy, and we want it now. How sad that each of us, if we're honest, in our lives have done the same things. You know, we've all sinned against God. And it's sad to say that sometimes we take our sin too lightly. We go back to what I said earlier. It's not going to hurt anyone else. No one's really going to find out. Here's the thing. Willful disobedience is a serious sin. Ignoring our sin, not confessing it when we fall is serious also. And it usually leads to more sin. And I'll tell you this, as a preacher, talking about sin is not fun. Talking about sin is not the popular message to preach on a Sunday morning. Talking about us suffering for our sins, about paying a price for our sins, doesn't win you any brownie points. But church, family, friends, sometimes we need a wake-up call. Sometimes we need to hear just how bad sin can be and how serious the consequences are. We need to be reminded that our sins hurt God, our sins hurt ourselves, and our sins hurt many others that we may not even see the ripple effect to. So, where do you stand today? Where do you stand? Are you hiding your sins? Are you, do you have them buried with a, with a nice rug over them in the tent somewhere? Or are you confessing them? Are you trying to get as far away from them as you can? Are you, trying, are you striving to walk with God? Are you trying to be obedient to his commands? When, when you do, you know one of the things I love about King David? He was a messed up guy. But he was a man after God's own heart. When he made a mistake, he put himself before God. He said, forgive me. Sometimes he didn't realize he made mistakes. He did some stupid stuff. And other people came around and said, hey, David, you messed up. And when it was pointed out to him, when his sin was brought full circle... He didn't, he didn't try to cover it up. He didn't try to keep it hidden. He dug it up. He put it before God. He, he begged forgiveness. So as we come to our response time this morning, remember this. God takes his word seriously. And we will reap what we sow. There will be a day of reckoning. Have you made Jesus your Lord and Savior? God loves you so much that he, he's got his son set up to pay for your sins on the cross so that you might live with him in heaven one day. And so you have a choice. Choose Jesus and let him pay the price for your sins or reject him and pay the price yourself for your hidden sins, Achan. But know this, there's no such thing as hidden sin, especially before God. Your sins will find you out. You can run from God, but you can't hide. You can bury stuff, but eventually it always comes back to the surface. There's a day of reckoning coming. Don't wait until it's too late to be forgiven. Achan did, and we see where it got him. We see where it got his family. So I challenge you to consider what we've learned today about where sin and faith collide and decide how you will respond to God's word as we sing our response song this morning. Will you stand and consider your response?